you're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I am Gemma, your host, and today I've got a special guest. It's another one of our members as per our new series, talking to all of our board members right across the North. And today it is Greater Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham. Good morning to you. Hi Gemma, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you today? Yeah, it's... um hopefully a day when we we learn more about how this year is going to unfold and uh maybe we'll have a little bit more hope at the end of it than we, we we've got at the start so anyway that's what i'm uh, that's what i'm pinning pinning my Absolutely. bets on we we always live in hope don't we we are northern after all and we uh, yeah we may we may get the rain a lot but we always see the sunny side of things um Mayor Burnham, just give us um a quick overview of your background um and your responsibilities really so my background um 16 years an MP before becoming uh, mayor, uh, so I'm a recovering MP um, and, and certainly um, enjoying the role of mayor, which I think suits me better, really. The, uh, you know, the, the straight jacket of party politics down in Westminster at times kind of, you know, it, 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 you get weary of it. So coming into this role, I, you know, I came into politics to be a voice for the North and I think this role allows me to do that, to do that more and to uh, focus on things that matter. To, to, to people here. Um, so I am the first elected mayor of Greater Manchester. Uh, it is a role that has broad ranging responsibilities, um, transport uh, being one, but obviously policing, um, issues around planning, um, fire service, a uh, whole range of things. So it's a, you know, it's an all encompassing uh, job, uh, but it's a great privilege to do it keeps you very busy then and of course part of your role um is as a transport for the north member and we'll talk a little bit later on specifically about your experiences on the tfm board um but let's kick off uh with the um historic and uh, sort of age-old discussion around transport investment we're always talking about the um the imbalance between the north and south and the decades of underinvestment that we faced in our transport networks in the north tell us about some of the biggest challenges around that for greater manchester the challenge is that we've we've got uh, outdated victorian infrastructure that is still basically the the mainstay of our of our rail system and uh it was fantastic when it was built and and still is in some ways, but it's not not enough to run a 21st century railway with all of the, the services and the standards that people people would expect. And I think in Manchester, obviously, that's where that problem is most most evident. We don't have the infrastructure to carry the number of services that the north of England needs. Uh, it's pretty much as, as simple as that, uh, really. Um, and it's it's a reflection of the way in which transport investment in this country has has gone more and more was sucked into London and the southeast and I think it's important for me to acknowledge that that even happened in the government that I was in uh, and not enough was done to um, to keep the investment coming coming northwards uh, pretty much over the second half of the last century the 20th century so we are in a position now where the the um, the in- infrastructure can't support our ambitions for um, you know a, a modern uh, reliable, railway service but we're getting there there's there's signs of improvement there's new rolling stock out there which is great to see but the infrastructure has got to be uh got to be sorted 
Absolutely. And this is very much um, impacting day to day life, isn't it? As, as, as Greater Manchester Mayor, you're very aware of the, the rail issues and bottlenecks around Castlefield and timetable problems that we've had over the past couple of years. And um, I just wanted to um, speak a little bit more about the importance of transport connectivity for our region's ambitions and what our people and our businesses want to achieve. Well, it's critical, isn't it, to a, to a thriving, productive economy. Um, you need a transport system that can support uh, a city with the ambitions that uh, that Manchester has. And at the moment, it, it can't do that. Um, if you look at the um, uh, economic uh, and productivity reviews that we've done in recent years, they all point to transport as being a, a sort of a, a drain on productivity. You know, it's not reliable enough. It's not good enough. People are spending too long commuting every day, uh, and it and it really needs to change. So it is about rail and rail infrastructure, but it's about so much more than that, Gemma. It's about a London-style public transport system, and what I mean by that is a system that is uh, highly integrated according to a sort of single plan, uh, where there is a cap on what people can spend in any given day, um, and. Uh, where we have accountability of that system uh, to whoever whoever holds the office that I hold. You know, that you, you've got to have an ability to make the system work for the public. And the truth of the matter is the fragmentation of transport over the years with bus deregulation and rail privatisation has left us with a very fragmented system that isn't delivering for the public. Um, and I'm really clear about what Greater Manchester needs. It needs that London-style integrated uh, public transport system that is a much more uh, attractive uh, option from a financial point of view than it currently is. It's very expensive to use our um, poorly performing public transport system. So consequently, too many people will, will jump in the car, understandably. We've got to change that if we're to get the north um, Kind of where we want it to be so it's critical it's critical to our economic ambitions um, and it's why the coming mayoral election a commitment to a london style public transport system will be my uh, pledge number one i'm thinking specifically about your role and your time so far as as mayor what has happened within uh, Greater Manchester Combined Authority and through Transport for Greater Manchester um, to improve that public transport network in particular and, and, and start that journey towards the London style system? Well, of course, Metrolink is the uh, is the thing that the only thing that we fully control. And I, I think TFGM, Transport for Greater Manchester, can have a great deal of pride in, in Metrolink. Um, it's been extended uh, in the last couple of years. So I've been overseeing the um, extension of Metrolink to the Trafford Park uh, area uh, and to the Trafford Centre. And that was delivered ahead of schedule, uh, but just literally as the pandemic um, landed. So Metrolink has been improved. It's gone contactless in, in recent, uh, recent months. Um, we've tried to innovate on the ticketing to make it more affordable uh, for people. Um, it is a success story. It's one of the best performing light rail systems in Europe. Um, it has its moments like any transport system, but um, you know we can feel a great deal of pride. And I, the way I see it is we've got to apply Metrolink principles and Metrolink standards to the rest of the rest of the public transport system in, in Greater Manchester. So that's that's the next chapter, uh, to be honest, as well as continuing to see if we can um, 
bring the tram to places like Stockport or north to Bolton. You know, we, we need to keep building it out or go further and look at this idea of tram train. Uh, if we can take more control of the commuter rail network, I think that would open up some fantastic possibilities around uh, the tram train technology that we see over in, over in Sheffield being used in the GM system. Thinking a little bit more then about this um, levelling up agenda, it's been one of the buzzwords of the past year or so. Um, if you could set out your five key priorities to support the levelling up of the North, uh, what would they be? I mean, transport absolutely is, is at the heart of it, but I think it's really important that we don't allow levelling up to be purely defined as transport infrastructure because it's it's more it's got to be much more than that if you look at what's happened over the last 12 months it's the poorest communities in the north that have been hardest hit by covid so they're the places where to be honest people have been largely out at work over the last year they, they haven't been able to stay at home because the nature of the work that they do means that they they, they have to go into work um often people are on quite insecure employment contracts, zero hours contracts, and their housing situation might not uh, make it easy for people to, to self-isolate. So the truth of the matter is the virus has taken a real hold in some of our poorest communities. And what I would say to the government is, yes, transport infrastructure is critically important, of course it is, but levelling up has got to mean more than that. It's got to start with um, people in some of those poorest communities. It's got to be about improving work in those communities, improving housing in those communities, bringing uh, better uh, jobs. That has got to be what levelling up is about as well. Otherwise, it will be a meaningless, it will be a meaningless um, uh, phrase uh, to people. You know, you can't claim to be levelling up the country just because you've got a plan to build a railway line in 20 years, that will open in 20 or 30 years time. That That is part of levelling up, but it certainly can't be the, the sort of um, the you know, the, the only thing that, that, that levelling up is about. And how does, uh, you, you touched on it um, earlier, and we, we were talking about the sort of, you know, underinvestment in the in the North over, over many decades. Where does um, decision-making and funding and devolving those kind of powers, um, where does that come into the levelling up agenda, do you think? Well, I think it, 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 it has to. If you go back to George Osborne's speech uh, in Manchester in 2014, uh, where the concept of the Northern Powerhouse was born, and to be fair, I've reread it recently. It was a fantastic speech, and it, it was one that you know I would have wanted to, to hear from government many, many years ago, but it, it was a good speech. And at the heart of it, well, there was two commitments at the heart of it. One was about transport and transport ambitions, but the other was about voice and power being vested in places in the in the north. So, you know, the power to do more for ourselves. And I, I personally don't believe you will successfully level up top down from Westminster. It can't it can't be done. Um, you know, you can't just dictate from two hundred miles away what what you know what, what will be done. You've got to give people power in their hands to, to shape their own destiny. And, you know, that I think is, is, is something that we've got to remind the government about, about now, you know, we've got, I will robustly defend transport for the North as a, as a one, the only statutory entity that is a Northern uh, devolved uh, structure. And I think because of the existence of TFN, we have spoken more clearly and in a united way 
about the issues facing transport north and because of that we've moved some of those issues issues forward and yes yeah, sometimes when people use their voice as part of devolution be it me standing up to boris johnson over tier three last year or transport for the north sometimes standing up for a more ambitious version of northern powerhouse rail or or calling on the government to sort out the timetable chaos as as we did in uh, may 2018 you know that Kind of might annoy people down there a bit but but so be it you know we've had a country where too often things have been imposed uh on on the north and it hasn't uh, they haven't listened to what we what we think and i think it's really important as we develop a more mature relationship between westminster and the english regions that you know we we, we build out devolution um take more responsibility ourselves for things you know we don't always blame the government we, we take power but we take responsibility to use that power that has got to be the way this country needs to go um, in the next, in, in this century. Um, because what we have is a very, well, the most centralized political system in the OECD. So, you know, we've got pretty much all political power uh, vested in one postcode in London, in Westminster. Uh, and we've got, so a political over-centralization and one of the most regionally unbalanced countries in, in, in the OECD. And the two things are linked. If you keep all power concentrated in one area, don't be surprised if it, if it creates quite an imbalance then in terms of the way that different regions are, 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 um, are set up. So yeah, that's, if, if we're serious, leveling up has got to move from being a phrase to being a serious undertaking that everyone is signed up to. And I think this is my message to the Prime Minister. You know, you can, you've actually identified the right issue for this moment in terms of life in the UK. We do need to level the country up, but it can't be done, as I say, 200 miles. You can't be dictated from West, Westminster and Whitehall. You have to get power out into the hands of people uh, at the local level. That brings me on perfectly to uh, what I wanted to talk about next, which was um, in terms of your uh, membership of, of Transport for the North and, and how that brings the region's leaders together. And we've already referenced the, the, the one voice idea of speaking as a region, giving insight, examples, real life on the ground experience to inform um, not only transport plans, but, but wider investment needs as well. Um, and you referenced um, sort of Northern Powerhouse Rail and, and timetabling issues. What for you would you say have been some um, examples of how TFN has has added value, brought Northern leaders together um, in recent months to really showcase the needs of the North and drive forward those changes? I think there have been a number of examples. I think the, the timetable chaos um, was the most um, uh, important because it was TFN, I think, that got underneath why um, we saw the meltdown of services. And without TFN, I don't think we would have um, had that same level of attention to the to, to the issues. And obviously, we've seen changes and a stabilisation of the timetable that was happening even before the, the pandemic. I think that was a a major uh, success on on the part of of TFN. I think we've also um, brought about. Uh, a commitment to integrating um, the different the different schemes. I'm no expert on the rail industry, but one of the things I've learned about it over the last uh, couple of years is how it sees everything in a scheme by scheme, and it doesn't it isn't very good at looking at how things integrate, both integrate within the rail world, so how HS2 integrates with Northern Powerhouse Rail, but also within the other modes of 
modes of transport. And I think that's a flaw in the way transport policy is, um, is operated at a national level. And Transport for the North, I think, has succeeded in um, making people look at the bigger picture. So how does HS2 interact with Northern Powerhouse Rail and how do we optimise uh, the design of those of those things? What we've also begun to do is show that we can make some of the difficult decisions as well. So it's not just voice, you know, an empty vessel shouting back down the down the M6 at the government. It's um, a body that can take difficult decisions between ourselves and make trade-offs. You know, not, not every area can have everything that it wants. And I think as we were debating the preferred uh, network for Northern Powerhouse Rail last year at the board, that process was really beginning in earnest where, you know, we didn't, we had a different view about uh, Manchester to Sheffield, but we we're prepared to. You know, we, we see the case that colleagues in Sheffield are making, and obviously we're prepared to to compromise and make trade-offs. So, I think that's where Transport for the North can really come into its own. You know, where it can sort of, rather than just having cuts imposed on us from from Whitehall and arbitrary decisions made, let let us work within the, the envelope of money that's provided. Let us work out between ourselves what we think is right for the North and. I think that will get more more buy-in to to the decisions um, from from a, a more regional level. So I, I I keep saying it, you know, transport for the north in in a short space of time I think has completely has catapulted northern transport quite high up the political agenda, and uh, it's an organisation that that uh, is important at this moment in time. It needs to be um, supported and defended in my in my view. Uh, and I continue to devote a lot of my time to it for that reason. Thank you, Andy. It's really great to hear um, your support for Transport for the North. You uh, reiterate that so many times in um, board meetings. And um, one of the things that you uh, referenced there, which is so important, and I think you're right, doesn't always get enough attention, is the integration of different modes of transport so you know you don't just magically appear at a train station and get on the train from Warrington to Manchester as I used to do commuting I have to get to the train station in the first place what's the road network what's the active travel options what's the bus options to get me there and and absolutely it really is that joined up picture of um the modes and um, but again it's the joined up picture across different areas of the north as well because again um a service doesn't stop at the border between greater manchester and and, and cheshire you know roads don't stop and they have to get over the pennines in the best way so and i think that's um the real advantage of having all the North's leaders together uh, on one board to speak with one voice. Um, one last area I want to touch on before we uh, wrap up is the the big old C word, COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, now again, this is um, this is an issue that's had massive impacts on every area of life, on how we work, how we travel, how we study, how we do our shopping. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest impacts? And more importantly, um, what have we learned? How are we adapting? So I think it is going to have a very big impact on transport, not just now, but in, in the future as well. Um, it's been a hard uh, process of adaptation, hasn't it? You know, with um, firstly the debate about masks, I think was a big deal uh, for the transport industry. Um, I think that's, that's slowly stabilised. And I think whether we like it or not, mask wearing in public is probably a, a, a feature of life that will stay for uh, for the foreseeable future, the next few years at least. 
Um, then there's the whole question of distancing and, and, and managing that. I think the system has adapted incredibly well, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm amazed really at how quickly um, the transport industry has sort of embraced the, this new way of working. The other thing, of course, is that it's it's brought um, public subsidy into the public transport system uh, of a kind that the North has not normally uh, enjoyed. And I, I would say to the government that they will have to leave, you know, that subsidy will have to taper because the distancing on public transport will not change anytime soon. And therefore, we're going to looking at a prolonged period of reduced of reduced um, you know, passenger numbers. Um, more broadly, I think. Well, I think a positive benefit has been the move towards active travel. I think there has been a, a you know a, a shift uh, there that could have a long term a long long term benefit. So I think people will move differently coming out of the pandemic. They may move less, of course. They may do more working at home, and if they do move, they may move differently with more active travel built into uh, to to what they what they are doing, um, and then they will have to then use a public transport system that might be more constrained with regard to um, uh, to to capacity. But I, I I think if I look at it from a Greater Manchester point of view, I, I think in the end it will have a positive legacy for transport in that it will be a catalyst, I think, for building that London style system that I that I mentioned. You know, we've all benefited from the cleaner air, which we've had through less less road traffic um, around. So I think what we'll get now is a is a sort of a build back greener uh, approach where the the clean air zone that we have plans for in Greater Manchester will come forward and that that will itself will be a, a kind of a driver to improve public transport as we get buses um, and taxis and other vehicles to uh, become cleaner, more modern vehicles. Um, you know, I, I I think we'll see an acceleration of progress towards a zero carbon public transport system. So you know, I'm certainly um, in the position where you know I want we we have a plan for our network in Greater Manchester, which is exactly the integrated system that you you, you describe, and, and in some ways because we've done the thinking about that, we're ready to go post pandemic, and we really hope the government will work with us now to quickly um, rebuild the system, but build it in a much better way than the one we had had before. So um, yeah, I'm positive actually about what the legacy might be for transport. It's fantastic to hear um, such positive thinking because, you know, this has been a time of real challenge uh, for, for all of us in many different ways. Um, but it's great to understand that, you know, there are opportunities and there is a way through this. And, uh, yeah, we, we can use it to uh, build back better and, and greener, else is one of the other uh, hot phrases of the moment. Um, Mayor Andy Burnham, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting uh, to get an insight into the uh, Greater Manche Manchester perspective on all things transport, infrastructure, investment, levelling up, um, and also to, to think that out to the, to the wider north and hear your perspective on how working through transport for the north is driving forward our region's ambitions. So thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. It's great to be able to come on. And, and I think this is a big moment for us, isn't it? Uh, Leveling up is going to have to come back with a vengeance, I think, once we're in the recovery. So I think the North is now well placed um, to um, to benefit uh, from the leveling up agenda. But I think it's really important that we carry on speaking for ourselves and, and you know, don't let others speak for us. And that's why transport for the North is, is so important. And uh, it's why, um, together with the other mayors and leaders, you know, we, we will continue to uh, 
uh, invest a lot of time in that in that northern transport voice uh, because you know, we're hitting the critical moment now. I think with regard to um, our ambitions for transport in the north, and uh, I think you know let, let's make sure that we don't sell our sell our residents short. You know, they've suffered long enough waiting on the public transport system, and I think that it's our time now, isn't it, to get get the improvements we've been promised. But thanks, Gemma, and thanks for the opportunity to share some of my thinking. No, our pleasure to have you, Andy. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, very well said. So uh, to all our listeners, thank you very much for tuning in again today. Hope you've enjoyed that chat with uh, Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham. Don't forget to stay in touch with Transport for the North on social media, where we'll be bringing you all the latest news and insights into our work and into the issues facing transport right across the region. And make sure you are signed up to our All Points North weekly email newsletter as well. The box to do that is at the bottom of our website. Uh, Thanks again for listening and we look forward to chatting with you next time. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.